And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360 will conclude the Jack Benny program from 1951, then William Conrad, canon himself, Lisa, stars in a tense drama on Escape from 1953. By my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What is up, Carl? Do you remember watching Canon? I did used to watch Canon. He was like kind of a rotund guy he trying was. to chase fast uh, criminals. I, I remember They always him well. got away from him. They just, they sort of just skipped away. And you he know, was I running full speed. You know, the funny thing was, I didn't... Sweating and just running. And is that what you remember, the sweat? Grunting and... <laughs> you know, I remember the show. I didn't love it, but I watched it. So yeah. I guess I liked it enough like, to watch. Oh, hey, look, Cannon's trying to catch me. <laughs> and they were just gone. And they're out. Yeah, they're out of there. Yeah. It was a good show. I kind of liked, liked it. it. You know, and then later he starred as your uncle, Nero Wolf, on TV. Yep. Yeah, I did a lot of television. But, you know, he just did a ton of radio. He was Mr. Radio, William Conrad. Maybe more meant for the radio. Yeah, and he stars <laughs> in an episode of Escape Coming Your Way. But last time we began listening to the Jack Benny program. Jack and all his gang were in Nevada. Let's go back to April 29, 1951, for the conclusion to the Jack Benny program. Phil, I think you ought to do something about the boys in your orchestra. They look awful. <laughs> Take a little easier, Liv. If I were you, I wouldn't say too much around here. You know, you're not so popular at this base. What do you mean? The fellas around here really have it in for you. Oh, Phil, don't be ridiculous. Well, all I know is there's a sign outside of one of them buildings that says, Infirmary. That's Infirmary! <laughs> In for Mary. <laughs> it's a natural mistake for a chap who was in a spelling bee and was nosed out by the bee. <laughs> Never mind that. And Phil, now that we have taken this short pause for character identification, <laughs> why didn't you show up at rehearsal yesterday? Well, I'm sorry, Jackson, but I was out on Lake Mead. And say, you ought to come out with me sometime. That fishing out there is great. Well, I don't know, Phil. Lake Mead, that's 30 miles away. Isn't there any place closer? Well, there's a river about 10 miles from here where I used to go fishing, but it's no good anymore because it's dried up. You mean the water's all gone? Jackson, that river's so dry, the salmon have to walk six miles up a dirt road to spawn. <laughs> No. I don't get it. What's the matter with you, kid? That's a funny joke. Don't you know nothing about salmon? I don't even know about boats. <laughs> Quiet, Dennis. Phil, who else is going fishing? Oh, Remley, my guitar player. I always take him with me. You know, when you hook them big fish, they put up an awful struggle, and then that's where the teamwork comes in. Teamwork? Yeah, I haul them in as close as I can. Remley breathes on them, and they do the Tennessee waltz right into the... <laughs> 
had Libby in there, huh? Well, I'll be darned. Last time, Jackson, we had to throw one back. Oh, too small? No, he was under 21. <laughs> oh, fine. Say, uh, Phil, did you catch anything while you were out on the lake this morning? Ah, uh, yeah, Dante. I hooked a whopper. Wait a minute. I even got a picture of it. Yeah. Look at the size of that bass. Let me, uh... <laughs> let me, let me see it, Phil. Here you are. Oh, isn't that cute? The bass is holding you up. <laughs> yeah. You ought to see the size of the trout that took the picture. Now, <laughs> cut that out. You know, Phil, if you just open your eyes once in a while, you could... Excuse me. Come in. Well, Mr. Kitzo. How he partner? Mr. Kitzel, what are you doing here at Nellis Field? Oh, I'm visiting my nephew. He's stationed here. Oh, is he a pilot? Is he a pilot? Yesterday, he got a six-hour pass and visited his girl in Cleveland. He went 500 miles an hour. In a jet? No, in a jeep. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Mr. Kitzel. How could a jeep possibly go that fast? When you're stationed at Nellis and get a pass, the jeep is as anxious to get away as you are. <laughs> Well, Mr. Mr. Kitzel, I'd like to meet your nephew. Is he on the base? Yes, in fact, right now he's busy cleaning up the grounds. Oh. <laughs> My nephew walks all over the base. He's got a stick with a nail on the end of it. A stick with a... Oh, he uses it to pick up trash. Officially, he is known as a waste paper croupier. <laughs> well, that's a nice way to put it. Yes. Well, I got to be toddling along. So long, partner. So long. Off I go into the wild blue yonder. Let's finish the program so I can get back to my hotel and get some rest. Rest? Why, you told me you went to bed early last night. I did, but I didn't get much sleep. I can't understand why a ritzy hotel like the Flamingo would have such a silly telephone operator. What do you mean? Well, when I went to bed, I left a call for 8 o'clock. The operator wanted to make it the hard way, so she called me twice at 4. <laughs> I wish I'd have had ten for a point. I'd have gotten an hour's more sleep. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, Jackson. Uh, you, uh, you're staying at the Flamingo Hotel? Why, certainly, Phil. You know nothing but the best for me. After all, when you get to a town like Las Vegas, you, you want to live. <laughs> hey, Libby, what are you laughing at? Jack, tell him what happened when you walked in to get a room. Oh, Mary, forget it. <laughs> Come on, Mary, tell us what happened. Oh. Well, I drove up to Las Vegas with Jack. It was about 5 o'clock in the afternoon when he pulled up to the Flamingo. I'd already reserved my room by phone, but you know Jack. He always leaves everything for the last minute. Gee, it's a beautiful lobby, isn't it, Mary? It sure is. A lot of people are here, too. Hey, Mary, I'm going over and talk to the room clerk. Hey, this hotel really is... May I help you, sir? Yes, yes, I'd like to get a room here. 
Well, it's quite an honor having you visit the hotel, Mr. Benny. Oh, you know who I am? Yes, yes, I saw you once in the movies. You did? Yes, you were sitting right next to me. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Now, uh, I... Uh, I'd like to get a room. Uh, yes, sir. Now, let me see. Uh, here's one. Two fifty. Two fifty? Isn't that a kind of expensive? <laughs> oh, that's not the price. That's the room number. Oh, oh, I see. It's on the second floor. Uh, yes, sir. It has beautifully decorated bedroom, a magnificently furnished sitting room, luxurious dressing room, and a huge entry hall. Well, that sounds nice. Uh, what's the price on it? Sixteen dollars. <laughs> Uh, clerk, I'll loosen his collar. You push his eyes back in. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all... Now, look, clerk, I've had a... had a... Jack, what are you staring at? That cash register. I've never seen anything so beautiful. That's a slot machine. <laughs> a slot machine? See, I've heard about them, but this is the first one I've ever seen. How do they work? Well, you put in a nickel and pull the handle. And if two cherries come up, you get five nickels back. Well, that's fair, isn't it? <laughs> and if three oranges come up, you get 11 nickels back. Say, that's fine. Now, if three bells come up, you get 18 nickels. No kidding. And if three bars come up, you get the jackpot. Well, that's sensational. But supposing I put my nickel in and none of those things you mentioned come up. In that case, you lose your nickel. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> A thing like that will never catch on. <laughs> Jack, Jack, will you please hurry? Just a minute, Mary. Now, look, clerk, I'm willing to stay here if you lower the rates. Let me speak to the manager. Very well. He's right here. Oh. Uh, Mr. Benny, this is Mr. Schiller, the manager of the Flamingo. Oh, pleased to meet you, Mr. Schiller. How do you do? Uh, look, Mr. Schiller, I want to get a room and get some rest. I just drove all the way from Beverly Hills to Las Vegas. I make that trip frequently. It's a beautiful drive. It is? I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh... Well, Mr. Benny, if you'll give me the keys to your car, I'll have the bellboy park it. Oh, it's that Maxwell right out in front there. <laughs> oh, is that your car? Yes. Then we owe you an apology. We were using it to mow the lawn. Well, leave the grass in. It'll make the seat softer. Yeah. Of course, if Schiller's going to get those kind of laughs... I'm... Now, look, Mr. Schiller. Mr. Schiller, I'm very anxious to stay at the Flamingo, but it seems that your clerk and I can't get together. He's so stubborn. Imagine him trying to charge me $16 a week. No, no, Mr. Benny. It's $16 a day. Well, that I won't discuss at all. <laughs> Don't you have any less expensive rooms? Yes, we have some for $5 and some for $7. $5 and $7. Uh, uh, pardon me, sir. Uh, oh, clerk. Yes, sir? Uh, do you have a suite available? Oh, yes, we do. We have them for $20 a day and $30 a day. I'll take the one for $30. Very well, sir. Here's your key. Thank you. Say, clerk, uh, who was that fellow? He's a private from Nellis Field. <laughs> oh. 
Now, what about you, sporty? <laughs> I'm still talking to Mr. Schiller. I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Benny, but there's nothing I can do for you. You see, I have no authority to change the rates. Well, there must be somebody I can talk to. Well, here's the general manager. Oh, Mr. Walsh. Yes. Uh, do you mind talking to this gentleman? No, not at all. How do you do? How do you do? I'm Jack Benny, star of stage, screen, and radio. Think? <laughs> oh, Jack Benny. Certainly. I saw your last picture. Really? Did you like it? No. <laughs> oh, have you ever seen me on television? Yes. Did you like me? No. No. <laughs> oh. Well, have you ever heard me on the radio? No. Good, good. <laughs> now, look, Mr. Walsh, the reason I wanted to see you is because Mr. Schiller is trying to tell me that the lowest rate you have here is $5 a day. Well, Mr. Benny, $5 a day for a room is very reasonable. $5 a day, but I intend to stay for seven days. Well, I'm sure you'd enjoy staying at the Flamingo. It costs $6 million to build. Well, what are they trying to do, get it all back from me? <laughs> I'm leaving. Everybody in the place is looking at you. Mary, this won't take long. Look, Mr. Benny, I'm a busy man and I've got a lot of things to do. I'll give you a room for $4. You're faded. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll like it here. You know, I supervised the complete furnishing of the Flamingo. I saw to it that all the rooms had telephones, full-length mirrors, writing desks, beautifully carpeted floors, artistic pictures, unique lamps, tables, dressers. Gee, are the beds comfortable? Beds? Yes. Well, how do you like that? I knew I forgot something. <laughs> well, don't worry about it. I brought an army cot with me. I'll, I'll take the $4 rule. Well, here's your key, Mr. Benny. Thank you. Come on, Jack. Let's go. Oh, just a minute, Mary. I have a nickel here. I'm going to put it in the slot machine. Yeah, I hope I win. I think I've got a chance to make... <laughs> Mary! Mary, look! Jack, you hit the super jackpot. Yeah, gee, Mary, look at all those nickels. Just a minute, I'll put them in my pocket. Oh, boy. Now, come on, Mary, let's go. Uh, Jack, tip the bellboy who brought the bags in from the car. Uh, You take care of it, Mary. I don't have any change. (laughs) Come on, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's really been a lot of fun broadcasting for the boys here at the Nellis Air Force Base. And I want to thank Colonel Tacon, Captain Quinlan, Lieutenant Rollins, and all the personnel for their wonderful cooperation. Next week, we'll be back in Hollywood, and I hope you'll all be listening. Gee, it sure was swell being here, Mr. Benny. Yes, it was, Dennis. I'm certainly glad that you... Hmm. Oh, Jack. Yes. You can go now. The part in your hair is straight again. <laughs> They're so thoughtful. Good night, Dennis. Be sure to hear Dennis Day in the day in the life of Dennis Day. Stay tuned for the Amos Bandy Show, which follows immediately. The Jack Benny program is heard by Armed Forces overseas with the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's the Jack Benny program, April 29, 1951. Jack and all his gang broadcasting from Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. That was sponsored by Lucky Strike, but Mike eliminated all the Lucky Strike commercials because you can't air cigarette commercials on radio. So, folks, we had to knock those out. That was heard on CBS. You heard Mel Blank in the cast there, too. Don Wilson announcing. 
That was the Jack Benny program. Let's take a quick break. It's William Conrad starring in Escape when we come back. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. And if you miss any of our show, make sure you go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. We have our podcast there. It's always one week behind, though, because we want to give all of our radio stations first crack at our newest, latest, and greatest Hollywood 360 show. But we do have a parachute for you. We have our podcast. Go there, Hollywood360radio.com. It's time now for Escape, radio's greatest series of high adventure. Came to radio in 1947, lasted seven seasons until 1954. There were really two voices of Escape. There was William Conrad and Paul Fries. Now, remember Paul Fries? He was Boris Badenoff on the Rocky and Bullwinkle television show. And uh, William Conrad actually stars in this episode, too. It's called The Train from Olbefeld. And this is from September 6, 1953, part one now of Escape. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are a passenger on a Continental Express train, racing through the peaceful countryside. While unknown to you, an enemy, desperate and ruthless, awaits the moment when he will set in motion the action which will mean for you and your fellow passengers a fate from which there is no escape. Listen now as Escape brings you Ross Murray's exciting story, Train from Obersfeld. But we did not make contact until half an hour ago. Oh. Look, you have the tickets? Yes, I have them. Ah, third class. That's all I can get. But that will do. Oh, no, Mr. Herrick here. This is Mr. Callender. He will take you to Hanover. How are you? Bruce, better not to get on the train? No, no. We wait for the whistle. Oh, Why? Use the crowd for cover. Ah. Hey, Mr. Herrick, turn your face to me. That's it. Keep your back to the train. Now, wait. All right, now, Herrick. Be back in a few days, Ernst. British zone terminus of the East German underground, I'd had my share of surprises. 
but none to match finding Lawton Herrick in my custody. This was the man who had disappeared behind the Iron Curtain nearly a year ago, voluntarily. Brilliant nuclear physicist and authority on thermonuclear reaction, he'd been swallowed up in the gigantic red maw of Eastern Europe. Highest bidder for his brain. And now he was back. It was up to me to escort him safely to Hanover to British intelligence. And as we rode, I speculated on why he had come back. I suppose you're wondering why I came back. Why did you? Very simple. I finally realized I'd picked the wrong side. So I chucked the whole show and came home. Just like that? As you say, just like that. You sound pretty casual. How else should I be? I don't know. If it's my conscience you're concerned with, don't bother. I got more from them than they got from me. Oh? Yes, I know every installation they've set up, what the fissionable material output is per day, and what their potential is for producing the hydrogen bomb in quantity. Uh-huh. Where are your records, notes, that sort of thing? They're memorized. Paper and pencil were too risky. I had a security guard with me constantly. How did you get away? I walked out of Magdeburg. What about the guard? I imagine they'll bury him with full military honors. Yes, I imagine they will. Yes. But uh, we're here now, and I'm safe, and that's all that really matters, isn't it? Well, I won't feel safe until we get past Tallersleben. When's that? Oh, about, uh, about two hours. Uh, do we stop there? Yes, for a few minutes. Well... Mind if I take a nap? Suit yourself. Wake me a Talisleben, will you? Right. That's the first portion of Escape. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to escape. And so he went to sleep. And I thought about how easy his escape had been. Too easy. This was no ordinary defection to the camp of the free world. This man was important. Important enough that his safe arrival could cause considerable embarrassment to those from whom he had escaped. We wheezed into Tullesleben. A few passengers got out. Some came aboard. Then we started off again. <sighs> Did you sleep well? Very. Where are we? Leaving Tullesleben. You slept? No, I... Yes? Who is it? Conductor, sir. Uh, come in. Ah, through, 
Now, will you please tell this stupid... One moment, if you please. But there is no time for... Easy does it, Ernst. Go ahead, identify me, but hurry. It's all right, Conductor, I know. What about a spare, sir? Well, I'll take care of it later. Now, uh, if you please... Of course, sir, forgive me, but my job and I have a wife and... Yes, yes, we know all that. Now, will you go, please? Yes. Ah. Bruce, now we are in trouble. Oh, what's the matter? They know where we are. What? They have an agent aboard this train. Well, when did he get on? Just now, at oh. Tallersleben. Oh, we just left Tallersleben. Yes, I know, and that idiot of a conductor would not let me find you in time to get you off. Well, then we stay here in this compartment till we get to Hanover. Now, that is the problem. We won't get to Hanover. Why? There is a bomb on board. A bomb? Yes, in a suitcase. And the plan is to destroy the train when we get on the Oka River Bridge. Well, then we'll stop the train. No, I thought of that, and that's no good. Because whoever it is has orders to explode it if the train stops for any reason before we reach the river. When did you learn this? An hour after you left. I received a message from the man in Magdeburg. They found the body of that guard soon after Herrick left. They missed you in Urbisfelde, and they arranged this Thalersleben interception. But how did you... I drove... And when I got here, the train was pulling out of the station just. If it had not been for that stupid conductor... Oh, no, it's too late for that now. Yes. We've got to find the bomb. Is uh, the agent a man or a woman? No, I don't know, Bruce. Yeah. How soon before we reach the Oka River? But from now about, uh, oh, an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Well, between the three of us, we should be... Uh... No, Herrick. You stay here. But uh, at least I should... Herrick. Yes, we know nothing of atomic reactions. That is your field. This is ours. Just do as you're told. Will you please? I'm sorry. All right. Ernst? Yes? Get the conductor. Yes, I... And hurry. But why? We are not at war. Why should they want to do this to me? It's not you. It's us they're doing it to. But what can I do? Where shall I look? We'll do the looking. All we want from you is cooperation. Of course I will cooperate. What else is there for me to do? Well, not much. Now, first, do you have a list of the passengers that got on a Tullus later? Yes. Good. Second, can we get into the baggage car while the train is in motion? On this train you can. Some of the first and second All right, that's enough. As long as we can get on this one. No, wait. What about the baggage? Did we take much aboard a Tullus Only the baggage clerk knows that. Yeah. You, you'll go with me when I go to the baggage car. Yes, sir. Ernst. Yeah? Uh, go through the cars claiming that you've lost a bag. You ah, understand? Yes, yes. Match up every bag with an owner. Right. Mark the location of any odd ones that you may find. He may have put it on one of the baggage shelves and left the train. Where will you be? Uh, baggage car. Yes. Uh, but after that... You... Back here. A ah. calendar. Yes, Eric. It, it, it won't be easy staying here. You didn't expect it to be, did you? Uh, I suppose not. Well? Nothing. Good luck. But if he's not a policeman and not a soldier, why should I let him in? This baggage car is not... Carl, do not argue with us. There's no time. But why should I... Here, let me, let me. Carl... This is an emergency. I must be permitted inside to check the baggage. But where is your permit? Badge, credentials, anything that I may look at. Jobs are hard to get. My wife and children will... All right, all right, then I'll tell you. Someone has planted a bomb on board that's going to go off. I'm bombing? Yes, I'm bombing. And if I don't find it in 
Well, let me see. An hour and 15 minutes, none of us will be able to hold a job anymore. Now, may we come in? Yes. Come in, come in. All right. What do you want to know? How many pieces of baggage came aboard at Talisleben? Uh, not many. Uh, five suitcases, uh, a trunk, uh, and that crate. The crate? What's in the crate? I don't know. It's routed through to Hanover. Oh. All right. Have, have you got a hammer? But I have no authority. Get me a hammer. Careful, please. Careful, oh no. Watch out. It's furniture. Okay. Now the suitcases. Over here. Yeah. Have you a sharp knife? Yes, but why? I must cut the bags open. C- cut? But the owners will... I'll take the responsibility. Now, get the knife. It was the only thing to do. The bags had to be cut open and inspected by hand. Opening a catch might set the bomb off, even if the detonator wasn't wired to it, which in all likelihood it was. As I cut into the first bag, I felt a hard knot forming in the pit of my stomach. I reached inside the bag. The second case. Close. The third. The fourth. Then we broke open the trunk. <sighs> no bomb. I wiped my face. I left the conductor in Carl and went back to the compartment. Still checking the bags, I suppose. How much time do we have? Not quite an hour. Time enough? I don't know. You're sure the bomb is aboard? Yes, I'm sure. Ernst doesn't make mistakes. What do we do now? Well, you do just what you've been doing. Stay here. I'm going out and check the passengers that came aboard at Tullesleben. Anything you want me to tell Ernst when he gets back? Uh, yes, if he gets back before... We're doomed, I tell you. What's the matter, Dietrich? The engineer's going to stop the train. Stop? What do you mean, stop? 
He can't. I told you what would happen if we stopped before we reached the Oakland. Nevertheless, the engineer is going to stop. Well, why? He says he has a bad coupling on the coal tender. Well, did you tell him why we couldn't stop? Yes, he says he can see the bad coupling on the coal tender. The bomb he cannot see. Oh, no. Therefore, the bad coupling must take precedence. And he's going to stop the train. Dietrich, the conductor, had just informed me that due to a defective coupling, the engineer was about to stop the train. And under these circumstances, it was a horrifying thought. Because we knew that the train was to be blown up if it stopped for any reason before we reached the Oka River. You would still be in the... What's the matter? The engineer's going to stop the train. No, he, he can't. I told you... Yes, I know, happened. I know. Dietrich told him. What more can I do? It's out of my hands. Well, there's one thing more you can do. What, Mr. Cullen? Go back to the engineer. Tell him we want 15 minutes. And tell him that if he refuses... I'll personally kill him. But the coupling, what about the coupling? I don't care about the coupling. If it breaks, we're dead anyway. So let's at least try to find the bomb. Yes, Mr. Cullen, I'll tell him. Bruce, what shall we do if that engineer refuses? And I will kill him. Oh. Or at least get him out of the cab and let the fireman run on the train. You know, there is still the possibility that... that agent may have planted the bomb and himself then left the train. Yeah, I might... But we don't know. No, that we don't. What about that baggage car? That's clean. The passenger's luggage? Oh, no. Every piece matched up. Yeah. Now, where, where can we go now? Dietrich gave you a list of passengers that boarded the Talisleben, huh? Yes, yes. All right, give it to me. All right, here. But they are all checked, Bruce. Except one couple in second class. Huh? One couple. Couple? Yes, a married couple, newlyweds. They could not possibly be the one. That would be very clever of them. Wouldn't it? Yes, very. Where are they? In this car. The compartment third from the end. Have you a pistol? Yes. All right, give it to me. Here. Do you want me to come with you? No. Give me five minutes. Right. This was infinitely worse than fighting in the dark. Dark fighting terrified me. Here my enemy was unseen, unknown, and out of reach. Yet he was close enough to mark us all for death at a specific time. As I hurried along the corridor, I glanced at my watch... If the engineer gave us the 15 minutes I'd asked for, then we had already used three of those precious minutes planning strategy. One thing I knew for certain, that the hand holding the gun in my pocket would not come out until I was completely satisfied as to the identity of the newlyweds. What can I do for you? Uh, my, my name is Bruce Callender. There's been a bit of a stir aboard, and, well, the conductor made me a kind of deputy to make an inquiry. Um, 
May I come in? Of course. Thank you. I'm Lieutenant Crofton, Royal Navy. This is my wife, Gerda. Gerda, this is Mr. Uh, uh, Callender. How do you do? How do you do? You're uh, American, aren't you? Uh, no, no, uh, Canadian. Oh, good show, good show. Have a drink with us, old boy. Well, not right now, thank you. Oh, all right. Well, uh, what's all the fuss about, Mr. Callender? Well, it seems that there was a jewel robbery in Tallisleben. The thief was apprehended at the station, but not before he'd managed to stow the loot somewhere. The authorities believe that he may have put it in someone's baggage with the view toward recovering it sometime during the journey. Oh, oh then you'll uh, want to inspect our baggage, is that it? Oh, uh, no, no, no. I have no authority to do that, but... If you will, see for yourself so that I can report it to the conductor. <laughs> I doubt very much whether it could be in either my police or Gerda's. They haven't been out of our sight since we arrived at the station. But uh, you won't mind making the inspection. No, no, not at all, my dear fellow. But I'm afraid you'll be wasting your time. Oh, look here, do have a drink, won't you? Uh, uh, no, thanks, anyway. Uh, we're on our honeymoon, you know. Oh, really? Yes. I, I've been trying to get Gerda to marry me for a long time now. It wasn't until yesterday that she finally made up her mind. <laughs> yesterday? That's right. I finally wore down her resistance, didn't I, Gerda? <laughs> yes, Roger. Of course. The uh, bags, if you please, Lieutenant. Oh, yes, yes. Forgive me. Only two. Mine and Gerda's. I'll get them down. Mine. Shirts, socks, ties. Sorry, Mr. Callender, there's nothing here. Ah, good. Uh, now, Mrs. Crafton? I'll do it, Gerda. No, no, you may not open it. Then, if you will open it yourself. I can't. Why not, Gerda? Don't ask me why. I can't do it, that's all. You have to have a reason. Please, leave me alone. This is no time to be stubborn. You can't obstruct the law. I don't care about the law. My valise will not be opened. Yes, it will. I will not open it. Then I will. He snapped open the catches of Gerda's valise. And then he saw it. A picture of a rosy-cheeked boy in a Luftwaffe uniform. Proud, arrogant, with a super race. The lieutenant turned away. His face looked like it had been slapped hard. I stood there for a moment. It isn't very pleasant to see a man's world disintegrated by a photograph. What happened? They're not the ones. Oh, now what? I don't know. I do. I'm jumping off the train. What? Why? Well, they're after me, not you. If I'm off, the train is safe. Oh, sit down. You're making a fool of yourself. How do you propose to let him know you've jumped when we can't even locate him? <laughs> I can't even die nobly, can I? Wait here for me, Ernst. Where are you going? To find Dietrich. Mr. Callender, I was on my way to we see you We need more I... time. The engineer must give us more time. But he won't. Well, he'll have to. Can the fireman run the train? Yes, but if the coupling... Excusez-moi. Uh, que voulez-vous? La porte de cabine est fermée. Il est ouverte quand nous avons quitté Calasleben. Eh bien, elle est fermée maintenant. 
Avez-vous attendu longtemps oh, Mais oui, pendant plus d'une heure. Oh mon Dieu, mon Dieu. Un moment. Mr. Cullen, the little room at the end of the train, it has been locked, so this woman says, since we left Fallersleben. But... Dietrich. That's where it is. That's the only place it could be. We've looked everywhere else. Yes. Get rid of the woman. Go on, I said. Get rid of her. Essayez l'autovoiture, madame. Oh, mais... Pourquoi? Essayez, madame. S'il vous plaît. Oh, bien, merci. Shall we force the door? No. He'd set the thing off before we cracked it. But are you sure he's in there? I'm not sure he isn't in there. How will you find out? Well, I'm going to climb to the top of the car. Oh. Move down to the laboratory. Smash the window and shoot. And I hope I hit him and not the bomb. But if it is not he, then you will have killed an innocent man. And if it is and I don't shoot over a hundred innocent people, we'll be dead in five minutes. I don't know if I should permit it. After all, I'm the chief conductor. We've got five minutes, Dietrich. Don't try to stop me. The responsibility is yours. I will do what I can to help. All right. Now get Ernst. Tell him what I'm going to do. Tell him as soon as he hears the shots to have you open the door. He'll disarm the bomb. Now, is that clear? Yes, Mr. Cullen. All right, then hurry. We only have four minutes. As he ran down the corridor, I turned and went to the door leading to the outside of the train. And there I took off my shoes and checked the pistol Ernst had given me. At any moment, I expected the train to start slowing down, which I knew must be followed by the blast. Until I got to the roof of the car, I didn't quite know how I was going to reach down and break the glass, but when I got there, I saw that this time the brakes had come my way. This was an old relic that had the light standards at each end of the car. Carefully, so as not to betray any movement to the man beneath me, I hooked one leg around the standard and let myself ease down. As I hung there for a second, I hoped that the man inside was the man I sought. This was my last chance he had to be. Then suddenly there was a shift of wind and I was almost blinded with the cinders. The brakes were applied. The time was now. I raised my gun and swamped. Hello, Dietrich. Everything cleaned up. Yes, Mr. Cullen. The passengers are still a little excited. <laughs> no doubt. You shoot very straight, Mr. Cullen. Oh. The body will be turned over to the authorities in Hanover. Oh, uh, uh, just a minute, Dietrich. I'll be right back. Uh, pardon me, madam. Oui? The door is opened now. Uh, je, je ne comprends pas. Uh, uh, forgive me. Uh, la porte est ouverte. Oh, enfin. Merci. <laughs> You're quite welcome, I assure you. Under the direction of Anthony Ellis, Escape has brought you Train from Obersfeld, a story by Ross Murray starring William Conrad as Bruce. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Fritz Feld, Alastair Duncan, Byron Kane, Richard Peel, Jerry Gaylor, and Gladys Holland. The special music for Escape was composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. This is Roy Rowan speaking. 
And that's Escape with the Train from Olbefeld, starring William Conrad from September 6, 1953. Also in the cast, Lawrence Dobkin, Fritz Feld, Alistair Duncan, Byron Kane, Richard Peel, and Jerry Gaylor. That was sustained over CBS. Hope you enjoyed Escape. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next week, it's Jeff Regan Investigator, the Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show, Have Gun, Will Travel, Boston Blackie, The Bickersons, and Adventures by Morse. From my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.